Good afternoon on this 21st day of April uh, 2022. This is Bill Allen coming to you from the downtown Tyler, Texas area. Glad to be with you from our West Irwin Church of Christ office and uh, wonderful to have you join along. Yes, it is April 21st. What exactly does that mean, Bill? What's the significance? A happy birthday shout out to our wonderful daughter, Amanda Lee Adkison. We are so proud of you and love you so much. Our Amanda Handa Sandal, Amanda Handa Amanda. And that is uh, just, you are a delight and it's such a great joy for us to celebrate uh, your birthday today and every year. What a blessing our two daughters are, Amy and Amanda, and certainly today, especially Amanda, on your birthday. Happy birthday, sweetheart. Uh, today we continue with our study of the book of Psalms. We have just barely started, and so this afternoon I want to take a look at some more introductory comments, get you familiar with what you're reading right now and what you will be reading for the next few weeks because we go well into May before we get out of the Psalms. Some of the Psalms we've already covered because they are uh, addressed or they are uh, supposedly written by individuals such as Psalm 90 written by Moses himself. Uh, King David writes most of the Psalms, but there are some that show up at certain specific times. So uh, we're going to cover some of those. Some are written later and we'll cover some of those down the line, but the vast majority of them are going to be covered over these next few weeks. So there's 150 Psalms total, Psalm, the book of Psalms being the longest book uh, in the Bible. Uh, psalm 117, the shortest chapter, the shortest Psalm. And Psalm 119, the longest, whose focus is the Word of God. And when we get to that section, uh, we'll cover that. Uh, several different authors, several different uh, time periods, certainly lots of different historical settings. And as you have heard me say many times, the best way to determine what the context is of a psalm is to read it. Uh, because the content will tell you what the context is. It won't give you all the answers, but it will give you a good idea of what was going through uh, the author's mind and what was happening in his life at the time of the writing. And we'll see that today because we're going to look at several psalms after these introductory uh, comments. Again, David is the main contributor. Also Asaph, who was a contemporary of King David, a Levite, and was one of the ones in charge of the worship, uh, along with several others. And you've been reading about that leading up to this time period as David organizes his, um, his workers and his government in a very uh, strong way. And we've read about that uh, over these last few weeks. Uh, there are some headings. Of the, some of the Psalms have headings, not all of them, about two-thirds of them do. And um, and they're mostly reliable. They're not inspired scriptures, so you don't have to read them. But you can look at them and note that they are. Uh, they tell you a little bit about the historical context based on someone's understanding. It's not inspired, but very likely accurate. So it's good to read that. And again, consider it as you're looking at what the psalm uh, says. Uh, one of the other things about the psalms is that it's a book of poetry. It's not like Leviticus, a book of the law, thankfully enough. It's not like uh, Genesis, which is narrative. It's not one of the Gospels. It's not an epistle. It is basically a, a book of poetry. And so as you read it, you're reading a, a song book or a prayer book or a, a, a poetry book. 
So what does that mean? Well, that means there are several different things that kind of come into play. You have some different um, things that are associated with poetry, such as parallelism, where you have different sentences that represent each other and that uh, are different ways of saying some of the same things. Uh, sometimes it's an opposite. We see that a lot in the book of Proverbs, uh, which is wisdom literature, as is Psalms, as is the book of Job and uh, Song of Solomon. And so we, we read those and we realize that uh, there some of the uh, psalms, some of the songs have refrains, a chorus, if you will, where that is repeated a few times throughout uh, the psalm, and we'll see that as we go along as well. And there are also some interesting terms such as selah, S-E-L-A-H, no clue if that's the right uh, pronunciation or not, or maskil, M-A-S. K-I-L. Those are likely musical terms. Um, they don't have to be read. Uh, you can if you want, but it kind of gets in the way, really, because some of the psalms have a term like selah written several times in the psalm, and there's no real reason uh, to read that. That is a musical term that meant something to the people of David's day, but it doesn't mean anything to us. So you don't have to read that, but you can note what it is, and, uh, and that will help as well. Again, the setting is based on the content as you read through the psalm. Then you can take a look at the heading and see if there's something there. Whether there is or not, uh, read closely and you'll be able to see is the psalmist, is it a psalm of praise and joy and worship? Is it a, uh, a psalm of uh, uh, a distraught spirit like the ones we're reading today? Is it a, a psalm of the king? Is it a royal psalm? Does it talk about... Uh, when the king uh, comes into power or God's protection of the king. Uh, there are lots of different kinds of psalms. Is it a lament uh, expressing sadness over the difficult state uh, that the psalmist is in at the time? Uh, is it a penitential psalm? Psalm 51 that we've already seen uh, is one of those. So there are lots of different types of psalms and we'll see those as we go along. Most of them are psalms of praise. Most of them, even the ones that have a specific a topic or a purpose in mind, still have uh, lines of praise in them, and we'll see that today as well. So with all of that being said, I want us to read through several of the psalms that have been in this week's reading. We're reading, again, psalms of a distraught spirit uh, that's reaching out to God Asking God to act, asking God to be reminded and aware of the psalmist's difficult situation, and and really uh, voicing that uh, concern over the situation that the psalmist is going through. And so we'll be able to read some of those, and also looking to God for deliverance, praying to God for help, and uh, thanking God and praising God for his uh, kindness and his presence and his ultimate deliverance. So we'll start with Psalm 11. Psalm 11. And one of the fun things about reading through the book of Psalms, and it is one of my favorite books, uh, as you read through the Psalms, you'll think of some songs. You'll say, oh wait, that, that reminds me of a hymn that we sing. Or that reminds me of a song that I've heard on Christian radio. Or, oh, I didn't realize that passage was there. 
Sometimes, as we're going to see today, you'll read a line out of a psalm and you'll say, oh, wait, that's in the New Testament somewhere. I remember that. And so if you want, you can chase some of those things down and do further study. But for now, let's start with Psalm 11. The heading says, for the director of music of David. So it's a Psalm of David, as best we can tell. David probably wrote it. Uh, no reason to doubt that. Of course, it doesn't change anything. But it does uh, help us, as we read through it, to remember some of the stories that we've read about King David and some of the things that he went through. Okay, Psalm 11. In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? For look, the wicked bend their bows. They set their arrows against the strings to shoot from the shadows at the upright in heart. When the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? And so right off the bat, we remember a song. Do you remember that song? Flee as a bird to your mountain. I don't even think it's in our current songbook, but it's an old hymn. And we've sung it years ago in San Antonio, in Arlington, probably in North Carolina. Uh, and it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful hymn. But here, it, it's kind of interesting to hear that statement, flee as a bird to your mountain. You're thinking, well, what exactly does that mean? Well, Basically, verse 1 says, In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, Flee like a bird to your mountain? In other words, God's going to take care of me. I don't have to run. I don't have to head for the hills, as it were. I don't have to try to fly away. Uh, and we'll see that in some other psalms as well that help us to understand uh, exactly uh, what what this is. The psalm, Unto the hills around do I lift up my longing eyes. That song that is taken from one of the psalms. I think it's Psalm 121. And that, and that psalm, in the psalm as we'll read it one day when we get there, uh, you know, you look at the hills for help, but... The psalmist goes on to say, my help comes from the Lord. In the same way, that's how this psalm, Psalm 11, begins. In the Lord I take refuge. How then can you say to me, flee like a bird to your mountain? Because, of course, the wicked uh, string their bows and they have their arrows and they're all set for battle. But then the psalmist goes on in verse 4 and states this great, great truth, also an old hymn that shows up several times in Scripture. Psalm 11, verse 4, The Lord is in His holy temple. The Lord is on His heavenly throne. He observes everyone on earth. His eyes examine them. The Lord examines the righteous, but the wicked, those who love violence, He hates with a passion. On the wicked He will rain fiery coals and burning sulfur. A scorching wind will be their lot. For the Lord is righteous. He loves justice. The upright will see His face. Like the Proverbs, some of these statements are generally true or ultimately true, but they may not be true right now. And the psalmist is reminding himself, well, even though I know things are difficult right now, I know God's going to make this right. God's going to punish the wicked. And he's going to deliver the righteous. And that's what the psalmist bases his faith and trust on. It's what we do the same. We base our faith and trust on our God being a merciful and loving, righteous and holy God. And so we draw strength from the statement of the psalmist in verse 4. The Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on his heavenly throne. We understand that God is still in control. As difficult a time as this is, as crazy as things are, the Lord is in his holy temple. The Lord is on 
his heavenly throne. That's an example of parallelism. Both of those things mean very much uh, the same. The Lord is on this throne. He is the Lord of lords, the God of gods, the King of kings, and he is in control. Um, okay, let's keep going in Psalm 11. Now that we're through with that one, let's go uh, to Psalm 31. You'll recognize a few things from this psalm uh, as well. This psalm is a little bit longer uh, than the previous one, and a lot of the psalms are short. Some of them are long. Some of them are very long. Some of them are very short, as we have said. Okay, Psalm 31. In you, Lord, I have taken refuge. Let me never be put to shame. Deliver me in your righteousness. Turn your ear to me. Come quickly to my rescue. Be my rock of refuge, a strong fortress to save me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. Keep me free from the trap that is set for me, for you are my refuge. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. Did your ears perk up at that last verse? Verse 5 of Psalm 31, Into your hands I commit my spirit. Do you remember someone else saying that? Jesus from the cross, that was one of his seven statements that we have recorded in the four Gospels that Jesus said from the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. One day we'll get to Psalm 22 and we'll be reminded of, of how much that psalm was on the mind of the Lord as he was as life was being taken from him. But this one, Psalm 31 verse 5, into your hands I commit my spirit. Deliver me, Lord, my faithful God. The psalmist calls for God's help. I hate those who cling to worthless idols. As for me, I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your love, for you saw my affliction. You knew the anguish of my soul. You have not given me into the hands of the enemy, but have set my feet in a spacious place. And then the psalmist goes on as he speaks throughout the psalm. Verse 9, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. My life is consumed by anguish and my years by groaning. My strength fails because of my affliction. The psalmists are always very clear uh, to be honest about what's going on. They're not in denial at all. And this psalmist is suffering. It's a troubled spirit. Uh, raising their voice to God. And as he continues on, he says in verse 14, But I trust in you, Lord. Verse 14, I say, You are my God. My times are in your hands. Deliver me from the hands of my enemies, from those who pursue me. What a great, great statement of faith. And you read that all through this psalm. And uh, the psalm begins the ending part in verse 21 with a shout of praise to the God who will ultimately deliver the psalmist in his hope and in his trust. Praise be to the Lord, for he showed me the wonders of his love when I was in a city under siege. In my alarm I said, I am cut off from your sight, yet you heard my cry for mercy when I called to you for help. What a great statement. Uh, psalm 35 is another one of those psalms, very typical to that, very similar in size and content. Psalm 35. Contend, Lord, with those who contend with me. Don't you love the way that's stated? Fight against those who fight against me. 
Take up shield and armor, arise and come to my aid. Brandish spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Say to me, I am your salvation. The psalmist looks to God for deliverance. He asks God to fight the fights that I'm in to contend with those who are contending with me. Verse 4, may those who seek my life be disgraced and put to shame. May those who plot my ruin be turned back in dismay. May they be like chaff before the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. May their, may their path be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. Since they hid their net for me without cause, they set a trap for him, and without cause dug a pit for me, may ruin overtake them by surprise. May the net they hid entangle them. May they fall into the pit to their ruin. Then my soul will rejoice in the Lord and delight in his salvation. My whole being will exclaim, Who is like you, Lord? You rescue the poor from those too strong for them, the poor and needy from those who rob them. Uh, the psalmist is very clear about his suffering, very clear about his trust in the Lord, and very clear about his enemies. Uh, verse 15 of Psalm 35, But when I stumbled, they gathered in glee. Assailants gathered against me without my knowledge. They slandered me without ceasing. The psalmist looks at his enemies and his opponents and he says, when I was suffering, they were happy about it. They celebrated it. It's a very, very horrible thing. And so the psalmist asks, and we'll read this several times in the Psalms, this question, verse 17, How long, Lord, will you look on? Rescue me from their ravages, my precious life from these lions. I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs I will praise you. Do not let those gloat over me who are my enemies without cause. Do not let those who hate me without reason maliciously wink the eye, the NIV says. They do not speak peaceably, but devise false accusations against those who live quiet in the land. They sneer at me and say, aha, aha, with our own eyes we have seen it. <laughs> The psalmist says, my enemies are mocking me and they're making fun of me and they're making my life miserable. And he calls on the Lord to come to his defense to help him. Verse 24, vindicate me in your righteousness, O Lord my God. Do not let them gloat over me. May all who gloat over my distress, verse 26, be put to shame and confusion. May all who exalt themselves over me be clothed with shame and disgrace. And then the psalmist, in a great moment of praise and trust and faith, ends the psalm in this way, in verse 28, My tongue will pro proclaim your righteousness, your praises, all day long. The attitude of the psalmist was that uh, promising of, of deliverance from God and that he knows he will respond to with a song of praise. Uh, next we'll turn to Psalm 55. Just have a few more that we're going to cover today. This psalm has some heartbreaking statements in it. Psalm 55. Listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my plea. Hear me and answer me. My thoughts trouble me and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying, because of the threats of the wicked. For they bring down suffering on me and assail me in their anger. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. And as we read this, don't just read it as somebody 3,000 years ago who was having a hard time. Yes, that, that is certainly true. 
but also read it and and remember the times when you've had difficulties. And perhaps you may be going through a rough spot right now where there are people threatening you, there are people taking advantage of you, uh, justice is escaping you and your cause is not being heard, and you're suffering and you're anxious. That's the feelings that these psalmists express. And the great thing about the psalms is that they express our feelings and help us to verbalize them uh, to the Lord. Uh, verse 4 of Psalm 55. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen on me. Fear and trembling have beset me. Horror has overwhelmed me. I said, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and storm. Lord, confuse the wicked. Confound their words. For I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they prowl about on its walls. Malice and abuse are within it. Destructive forces are at work in the city. Threats and lies never leave its streets. Unfortunately, we experience some of that even today. Now note verse 12. If an enemy were insulting me, I could endure it. If a foe were rising against me, I could hide. But it is you, a man like myself, my companion, my close friend with whom I once enjoyed sweet fellowship at the house of God, as we walked about among the worshipers. Let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive to the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. Sometimes we're going to read things that are difficult to read in the Psalms, but they're honest feelings. And this is how the psalmist feels. He pours out his heart to God and says, You know, God, if it were my enemies that were treating this way, me this way, it would be a whole lot easier to deal with. But it's my close friend. It's the person that I went to church with. It's one who joined me with the worshipers that's doing this. And so the psalmist calls for God to act. Verse 16 of Psalm 55. As for me, I call to God and the Lord saves me. Evening, morning, and noon, I cry out in distress, and he hears my voice. All day long, throughout the day, the psalmist says, I'm crying out to God, and he hears me. I know he hears me. Verse 18, he rescues me unharmed from the battle waged against me, even though many oppose me. God, who is enthroned from of old, who does not change, he will hear them and humble them, because they have no fear of God. God knows their arrogance. And he knows that they're abusing their power and he will act. Verse 20, my companion attacks his friends. He violates his covenant. His talk is smooth as butter. You thought that was a new saying, didn't you? Smooth as butter. Nope. It goes all the way back to 1000 BC. As he talks about his enemies, his talk is smooth as butter. Yet war is in his heart. His words are more soothing than oil, yet they are drawn swords. He's being very deceptive in his uh, cruelty. Verse 22, the psalmist still acknowledges that hope and deliverance are in the Lord. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous be shaken, but you, God, will bring down the wicked into the pit of decay. The bloodthirsty and deceitful will not live out half their days, but as for me... I trust in you. Well, two more. We'll turn back to Psalm 46, and then we'll end with the wonderful 23rd Psalm in just a moment. But this Psalm, Psalm 46, has some of the most beautiful 
and powerful statements of faith and trust in the Lord even during difficult times. I use some of these statements in a memorial service when I'm preaching at a funeral because they remind us that even if our lives are turned upside down, uh, still the Lord is there and present for us. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Our God is powerful. As verse 7 says, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease, and we pray that God will do that in Europe even right now. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. We pray for this God of Jacob, this God who is our fortress. Uh, to end the war in Ukraine, to break the weapons of those who are trying to pursue war to get their way. We pray that God will move the hearts of the leaders, including President Putin, to uh, come to his senses and to stop this, this horrible, horrible destruction and death that's going on there. And we pray that that will come soon. Uh, be still and know that I am God. What a great statement. And what an important statement at this time for us to remember that the psalmist's life was just as difficult, even more so than ours is now. And yet the psalmist hears God saying, Be still and know that I am God. Another line that we have in a wonderful, beautiful song of faith that reminds us to be still and know that I am am God, the Lord says. Well, before we close, let's read through Psalm 23. I'm not even going to comment on it. It's just such a beautiful psalm. It's one I hardly ever uh, do a, a funeral service or a memorial service without reading. It's just so wonderful and beautiful. And yes, I'll, you'll notice I, I have used a little bit of the King James Version in there too because it's the one that we're so familiar with and its words are some of the most comforting words ever written. In Scripture, out of Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, whatever, whenever, wherever, these are some of the most comforting words that you will ever read. And so we'll read them today, and I'll bid you goodbye in just a moment. Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I'll see you next week.